Today we'll be talking about the first four of the big four. You guys just went right into that. That was nice. Um, you know. <laughs> no, no lube, just jam it in. The gigantic four. <coughs> the huge. Yeah, the huge four. Huge, the big, huge four. gigantic four bands in metal history. Yeah, the big tearing four in the metal. Tearing. <laughs> the uh the, the, <laughs> the tearing four. Ouch. The Quantro El Gigante. I don't know. Yeah, that, don't that's know. A, that that fits he also tearing. I think that fits in pretty nicely. El Gigante. <laughs> Is it pronounced Gigante? No. I don't know. <laughs> Gigante. Gigante. Uh, I didn't know it was it Italian. Is. Holy shit. That's big, man. This is Hey, this is Matt from Metal Nerdery. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Like us, share us with a friend. We are at Metal Nerdery Podcast. That is at Metal Nerdery Podcast. You can follow along with the show on metalnerdery.com slash episodes. Nerd out. We know who those El Gigante 4 are. That would be... The Anthrax, the Megadeth, the Metallica, and the Slayer. I guess we should, we should mention that uh, you're listening to uh, Metal Nerdery. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> kind total, of, kind total of disregard. stumbled into uh, the middle of a conversation. The middle of a conversation? Yes. Nice. I like it. I figured for sure our producer, our illustrious producer, would, would do damage control on this, but those who are <laughs> participating would not be able to know where we screwed up. So, right. My yeah. apologies. So, anyway, Metal Nerdery. Uh, Matt, Bill, and Adam, your resident metal nerds, ¿Qué pasó? in Sorry attendance for my dumbness earlier. Here to talk about the first albums of the Big Four. First four, the Big Four. So yeah, anyway, the Big Four. We don't have to tell you, but I will. Slayer, Metallica, Anthrax, and Megadeth. Yeah, what he said. What I said again, again. That, that dude, man. No, he said it, dude. Just listen to it. He just said it. He said it again. He's not going to say it a third time. We're going to get into it now, but he said it <laughs> twice at least. I know he did. So, yeah. So, these these albums pretty much defined a genre. This was the beginning. The beginning of the definition of said genre. Thrash. Or French. Genre. Genre. Sounds like Ingve's like golf assistant or something. Come here, get around, give me a nine iron. I don't know. Sorry. Pointless. Moving on. Big four. That's an idiot. <laughs> Seriously, guys, whatever you want to fire him, I'm ready to go. Just just let me know. I can move my shit. It's like right over by the couch. Pedro Sanchez, who do you think? <laughs> hey, Pedro. You guys okay, y'all are acting kinda of weird. I don't know what's going on. You get Pedro in here. <laughs> Millie's kind of leaning in kind of close. He's being a little... Is he... Where's our HR department? I want to report this. Is he breathing sick. on your neck? A little bit. I think he might be salivating, too. It's a little strange. I'm kind of not feeling comfortable. HR, do we have a human resources? Who's that? Getting a little she, extra humidity on your neck there? She's or? at the Brew Cross Brew <laughs> <laughs> Convention. 
Oh, couldn't say it <laughs> Thank you for that. See, that's healthcare all by itself, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. All right. So, so, so. What, that about what, was, the, uh, what was the first big four band you heard, Bill? Do you oh, remember? God. Um, I'm sure it was Metallica. Yeah. It was either Metallica or Slayer. I'm pretty sure it was Metallica. Matthew? Mine was Metallica. In fact, it was Whiplash from the Whiplash EP. Blew my mind completely. Yeah? Yes, totally blew my mind. So I've never heard anything like it. Mine was Anthrax. Somehow I listened really? to Anthrax before the other ones. Huh. I don't, I'm not sure how it happened, but... Uh, was it Among? No. Not Among the Living? No. Was it Spraying the Disease? Yeah. Oh, dude, because that was the first one that I actually got. So that was like my first exposure, because I like Among the Living, but to me, Spreading the Disease is kind of one of those magic albums. It just, it had that same magic as almost even like like Lightning or Puppets to me. Yeah, it's because it kicks ass. Yeah, it kicks copious, copious ass. Like I said previously, that's the best thing that ever happened to Anthrax, putting out Spreading the Disease. Yeah, yeah. that is a classic, classic, classic album. Vocalist change, songwriting change. Production value went way up. It's just good stuff. Yeah, definitely a big departure from Fistful of Metal. <laughs> just a tad. Fistful of... <laughs> Fistful of Turban. That was... Yeah. Man, that's not nice. Shut up. That was his last thing, y'all. <laughs> Don't be dicks. Fistful of Dicks? No, that was the uh, cover album. I think <laughs> Fistful of Dicks. <laughs> I think Billy Milano's fronting that one. Is that the D sides? Fistful of dicks. What is that? F O D. Fistful of dicks. The D sides. <laughs> the D sides is Thank you. awesome. Thank you for that <laughs> metal nerdery laugh track moment. So uh, yeah, we're gonna discuss these albums, and uh, I just kind of put them on this list here, just in the order that they came out. So uh, that's cool chronologically. Yeah. So the uh, the original of the Big Four release was Kill 'Em All. July twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three, on Megaforce Records. Yep. Wow. Recorded um, basically May of nineteen eighty three, up in Rochester. About well, seventeen days. Holy shit! That's back when you did that kind of stuff. Yeah. You just went in there and banged it out in fun fact apparently they recorded that in a haunted uh the studio was haunted i think there was a later thing we saw about that but it talked about the studio they recorded in was actually haunted (laughs) so yeah this is when they kind of solidified their sort of first uh classic lineup there i guess the stain was out kirk hammett was in ron mcgovney was out cliff burton was in and the rest is history. Of course, uh, Hetfield and Ulrich. The dynamic duo. <laughs> Mutton Lang, the that, uh, McCartney and Lennon. That album is so good, man. Oh, yeah. It is. There's I mean, nothing wrong with it. It's head and shoulders above anything else that came out. I mean, the sound, the quality, the... The power. The power, the riffs, the like, the production, everything was just... Yeah. It was <laughs> ridiculously uh, better than anything else it really had the power though i think kill them all kind of is sort of set the bar for like the level of power i read something where uh carrie king said that 
basically when they were all putting out their first albums, he's like, you know, the rest of us were still trying to figure out kind of what we wanted to sound like. Because when you listen to a lot of that stuff, especially the first Slayer and Anthrax, there's a lot of Priest in there, a little bit of Maiden. Mm-hmm. Still and kind he, of that fun in your voice thing. Yeah, they were still trying to figure it out. And he's like, you know, Metallica basically came out of the gate with Kill 'em All with sort of a they with a defined, you know, this is you know, this is who we are. Yeah. Which I mean you can listen to it and you can definitely tell where their influences came from. But it was like whereas, whereas some of those debut albums, some of the stuff is kinda of like, eh. This was so what it was just right. all it the was, songs were just put together. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You don't even want I to mean, say polished, but you want to say it. No, was it well wasn't polished, together, but, but it was, was it was well put together. It, it was, was manufactured. More, in my mind, like if I had to pick my favorite out of these four, even though I'd like to come up with an unpopular opinion. I'd have to say my favorite was Kill 'em All it's because it's, it's the yeah. most consistent. It's yeah, the one that's got all of it. It's memorable. The sound it's got is, all of is it. the best. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's got it, it I mean, and that's not even slagging on the rest of them. It's just it's just does. It's got everything. It's got arrangements, songs, production, power, lyrics, everything. I mean, it's it's one of those magic albums and it just can't not be this, Kill 'em All, you know? As much as I want the as much as I want Show No Mercy to sound, you know, you know to be more than w- what it already is, which is yeah. badass, if it sounded like this one sounded, right. I mean, that damn. Right. Been you know? yeah. That was the magic formula of that album, I think. I think that definitely, that was like the Cowboys from Hell for the 80s. That raised the bar of this is what a thrash metal album is supposed to sound oh, yeah. like. It's like, oh, absolutely, okay. yeah. yeah, stepping up the game, guys. And so they I mean, it, it just, it had the speed, it had... The hooks, yeah, it had the heaviness. It just—it was kind of like a total. It had the total package. It was the total package. I mean, I think "Kill 'Em All." If you think about all the factors, this—that's what makes it such a classic album. Is it's got all those things, even down to the fucking artwork, everything, the lyrical content, the music, the arrangement, the songwriting. I mean, the the consistency. It's almost forty. Was it? Was it right? Almost forty years old. Yeah, 83, so... I mean, and it still sounds badass. It really does. And I still say, I think that a lot of what kind of propelled Metallica above the other ones was Hetfield. You know, music aside, Hetfield's voice, his delivery, because you could understand everything that he was saying. He was always very articulate, yeah. And he wasn't shrieking like some of the other guys. Yeah. It was very articulate, and it was clear. Most of his vocals were pretty, pretty right. clear. Yeah, there wasn't anything that was, it was questionable. Just, it was for some reason, you could just identify with it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like you said, like all of their... I mean, not only this album, but all the other ones, when they were writing the songs, all the songs had hooks in them. Yeah. It was just and magic. It was, it, it, it was magic. Yeah. Which was more than a lot of the other right. you know, thrash bands at the time. They just didn't... You know, some of them... Some of them had some songs that were like that, but but with Metallica, it was every single one of them. Yeah, well, that's what was so consistent about it. it was yeah, like there, was, there was there was something you could latch onto every song. You yeah. know what I mean? Where it was memorable. Yeah. And they were growers too. So I mean, like you could go back and listen Gross. to it over and over and still find new shit. I, sorry. <laughs> I mean, that album to me was a shower and a grower. That means it was awesome <laughs> on the front end and, and the I back end. Like it on the back end. The back door. Thank you. Woo. Showing on the back door. Thank you. And we're moving on. <laughs> Kill them balls. Okay. 
<clears throat> yeah, so, uh, yeah, tracks on this album, all classic, Hit the Lights, Four Horsemen, Motor Breath, Jump in the Fire, the classic, Anesthesia, Pulling Teeth. Bass solos, take one. Whiplash, Phantom Lord, No Remorse, Seek and Destroy, Metal Militia, not a bad song in the whole bunch. No. Solid front to back. In fact, Done. like when Hit the Lights comes on, it's like it just kind of comes in like this steep steamroller of noise and then it takes off and it it's just got that energy of like, a, okay, kind of like how Cowboys from Hell was. It was like something new's going on, something different. And then when it kicks in, it's just like, take off. And then the way it finishes with Metal Militia is just like even, to me, it was almost even faster. I could, it, Metal Militia blew my mind. Everything else in between them too, but just flip the back. I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder if it was their. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They had. They were like deeply rooted in the the Nawabum thing. Yeah, but they had a lot of American influences. No, too, but what I'm that saying that was the meat of their influence. I know, right? but that's what I'm saying. I wonder if that had like an impact on their songwriting because a lot of that, you know, Judas Priest, Maiden, a lot of those bands had, had very to. memorable songs. You know what I mean? Where as opposed to some of the other stuff was just faster riff, faster riff, faster riff. There, there wasn't. But the riffs were important too, though. That was kind of the focal point. And of course, with Thrash, that was always. Yeah, a, but Metallica knew they knew when to. Uh, they knew how to write a song. Yeah, they knew when to hit some right. breaks. Yeah. They knew when to hit the breaks every once in a while. Yeah, but they always had killer, memorable riffs, and that's one of the things that makes Metallica Metallica. I know that's what I'm saying. I think I think their deep appreciation of the whole Nawabin thing kind of made maybe made a difference between them and some of the other not that the other guys didn't oh, like, like slayer and maiden like but, they took it like a step further sort of or like yeah. helped evolve it 
Or yeah, because, I mean, you know how memorable a lot of the, the, the British metal bands. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of their songs were very kind of anthemic. Yeah. yeah. So Metallica's are a little bit more like that than Slayer. I can totally see that. Because they do kind of speak more to that. It's kind of got that feel. It's got a little know. more classic vibe to it. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. Even like Motorhead. Well, it's got, you know, there's definitely Motorhead in that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it. they probably did it better than the rest of them. Like paying homage to the whole Nwab movement and like yeah. that whole sound. Because they, they kind of built their sound around that. Because people thought that they were playing you know, original stuff. And it's like, no, they were playing covers of Nwabin bands. That's how Metallica was born. You know, it's crazy, but it is the truth. Sad, but true. <laughs> ah, see what I did there? Ah, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Freaking idiot. So a little bit of a info here. Uh, they basically started playing shows in LA, moved up to San Francisco because Cliff Burton basically said he would join, but they had to move up there. So I guess to be cooler, I guess they wanted Cliff bad enough that they did. Oh, they wanted to be cool. That was a good choice. Uh, Yeah. I think a story I read Hetfield and Ulrich walked into a show and Cliff was when he was playing with trauma. Oh yeah. He was doing the whole uh, anesthesia bass solo thing. And they walked in and they were like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. I mean, bass players don't do solos in the middle of a gig, you know? Right. And they were just like blown. So, not calm down, Matt. That guy um, does. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's when they uh, kind of approached him. But uh, so I guess they put out a demo, No Life Till Leather. Got the uh, attention of the uh, the main guy in Megaforce Records, John Zazula. Gonna kick some ass tonight. Johnny Z. Yeah, the album was originally going to be titled the uh, the old metal up your ass that would have been such a cool album title but uh you know people were like we can't sell metal up your ass yeah <laughs> why not it's a killer album title it's like no, yeah we you agree can't do that you can't do it it's too metal so uh you can't say ass so yeah they had to change everything evidently cliff burton came up with the whole idea of putting the hammer evidently cliff burton always carried a hammer mm. from stuff i read I don't know. He's a handy dude, man. Just in case. You You never know. He looks like a repair guy. You never know. (laughs) He's a bass player. They're multi-talented, so anything's possible. So they got on Megaforce, initial shipment, initial. Initial? Yeah, initial. It's tangentially related. It's fine. (laughs) It's initial. Yeah, so their first shipment was 15,000 copies of the album. Uh, by the end of the tour in 84, they had sold 60,000 albums. Wow, that's impressive. For a band that was basically just like sort nobody. of like an afterthought. Yeah. And nothing on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. All, no. all organic. And, oh, yeah. No internet to speak of either. So this was like around the tape trading era back when yeah. that was the only way you could network or mailing lists and yeah, flyers old and tapes. school internet. Flyers and tapes. That's right. Yep. So and they have them interwebs, y'all. A little, uh, little history on the albums. Zula, I guess, you know, like we said, the uh, demo got his attention. He basically brought him to New York, where they promptly fired Mustaine. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, Exodus manager recommended Kirk Hammett. So uh, he basically learned all the songs and recorded an album with him, you know, a month later. Yeah, uh, you know, it was easy. <laughs> wow. That is pretty impressive. Yeah, the uh, the album basically cost him $15,000, which he I guess he had to mortgage his house and everything to put this album out. But 
you know he's taking care of now the guys. I mean, I'm sure that the Metallica guys have like, you know, hey man, we got like a house wherever you want to be, dude. We got it covered. Just you know what I mean? Because I mean that's a, that's a big investment for back then. But then look where they're at now. Oh yeah, fifteen thousand dollars is like. Pfft. So I mean, th- those guys owe him their career basically i mean that was where it started yeah you know yeah so the whole when the whole thing came up with them having to change the uh, album title and stuff from uh, metal up your ass i guess cliff burton got mad evidently uh, inadvertently came up with the name of the album uh he said those record company fuckers kill them all but him boom gotta love cliff a man a few words and he carried a hammer <laughs> That's next week on Bass Player Monthly. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Bobby. Can you wait? It's like you're walking on snow or gravel or something. It's like. <laughs> snowy gravel. Snowy gravel. <laughs> snowy. Gravelly snow. Yeah, gravelly snow. There you go. <laughs> that could be the name of a uh, gravelly snow. That could be the name of an early eighties. <laughs> could be hair metal drummer. Could be gravelly snow. Snow metal. <laughs> gravel metal. Oh, who was that guy that played drums for uh, King Diamond? Snowy Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Was that Scandinavian metal? Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> Back to the show. <laughs> Sorry. Matt got done eating his snack. Sorry, I was having a food addiction consumption moment. Uh, so yeah, this this album even influenced other bands in the big four. Yeah, like I said, uh, Carrie King said they basically knew what they were doing. Scott Ian said uh, the heaviness of their album definitely influenced what they were going to do. And uh, even influenced... Mike Portanoy. Wow. Far reach for the big four. One of the biggest of the big four. Portanoy. The biggest four of the big four. How about that? Portanoy. It's an extra okay. slobble. An extra slobble. Slobble? Slobble. Sounds Slavic, but this slobble. I just, I think that album, I mean, I think it was so good. How could, how could it not influence everybody else? Because everything about it was just, it was really flawless for a debut album. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful. I mean, it was art. It was art. To basically be that much of an influence on your, kind of your, like your immediate peers. Yeah. yeah. You know? Maybe minus Megadave, because he was pissed. Yeah, well. Well, they were still riding on all the Megadave riffs, so they had a few years to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the vault, the vault of riffs still he over just, at their place. No, he's just on three of those. <laughs> just on three. <laughs> no, man, he's not on all of them. Come on. But I mean, you know, if they hadn't fired him and he wasn't pissed, we'd have never had Mega Dave. That's true. Yeah, we would never have Thrash Lore. I'm sure Metallica wouldn't be the Metallica we know either. No, they wouldn't. No, you had to have Mega Dave as part of the, that. You know, the egos all change, right? But he I had think, to be a part of yeah, that. Influences I, I think sooner or later, even without yeah. whatever happened to, to get them to get rid of him, eventually it would have they, they would have been buttonheads. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we've all read stories about how Hetfield and Ulrich, Ulrich like to uh, control the uh, the yeah. course. Yeah. Very much captains of the helm. No outside influence. Just the two of us. We got it. Okay. Been kind of like Vinnie Vincent and Kiss, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think it's like that anymore as yeah, much. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, back it then it was. Uh, yeah, well, let's go this way. All right, let's go. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds like a good place to go. And that leads us on to show no mercy. Yes. December 3rd, 1983 on Metal Blade. Recorded November. So, you know, that was back when they basically recorded something, threw it out. It didn't have to go through months of mastering and all that kind of crap. Right. So. Yeah, and for whatever reason, that artwork takes me back. So I remember seeing that in high school, like looking through, like, you know, record bar and turtles and stuff. And well, it looks I mean, so evil, but now it's kind of like, eh. But back then... That was fucking evil, man. Well, He's you know, what? I, I yeah. still dig all of it, maybe except for the uh, the show no mercy at the top is kind of cheesy. But but the whole swords and pentagram, I mean, yeah, I badass. mean, how freaking cool is that? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any cooler metal. than that. Yeah, it really doesn't. It's, it's still way metal. A freaking whatever goat headed guy with a big ass sword, you know? I mean, come on. I guess Satan works out and has chest hair. <laughs> Who knew? And wears that's, boots. That's not metal. I don't know what is, but yeah, that's uh, right. Very metal. I mean, I'm 45, and I'm still looking at it going, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most metal. Right. It was Slayer. That it was. And there's some classic, classic tracks on this album, too, which, ironically, if you want to hear a more updated version of this album, you can just go listen to Live Undead, which is basically with this album. I think they recorded it, like, live in studio or something. But this is where it all started. You know, like, Evil yeah. Has No Boundaries, Black Magic. Die by the sword. This is where Slayer began. And there was some other stuff that was definitely a little different. Yeah. So it was basically your uh, you know, your classic Slayer lineup, of course. Tom Mariah, Carrie King, Jeff Hanneman, and Dave Lombardo. And Metal Storm, the dog. <laughs> I made that up. Sorry. Uh, I was it's, curious. It's such a good one. It's just a shame that it, it's... It, it's just a little on the high end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Production. But, but it's still good, though. Yeah. You know? uh, you've got classics like Evil Has No Boundaries. Like, they're all classics. Yeah. You know? The Antichrist, Die by the Sword, Fight Till Death. Fight Till Death. Metal, Metal Storm. Storm. Face the Slayer. Dun, dun, dun. Black Magic, Tormentor. Tormentor. The Final Command. Wasn't that a wasp? I don't know. I'm getting That was the last now. command. <laughs> Who's up first? <laughs> Cryonics and, uh, of course, Show No Mercy. Yeah, that, that was one of those. It always had a darker vibe to it. Like, I remember the first time I heard that, it was like, it just had this darker feel to it. Everything about Slayer, it was yeah. just always like that. They were just a yeah. tad bit more eviler. Yeah, they were eviler. Eviler. Their evilosity was unmatched. 
Uh, yeah, they were basically spotted at a gig in L.A. by the uh, Metal Blade founder, Brian Slagle. I guess they were doing a version of Phantom of the Opera. Excellent. Imagine Slayer doing Phantom of the Opera. No, but I'd uh, like to see it. I would like to see it, I too. I would like to see that. Uh, so that led them to being on uh, Metal Massacre 3, which I guess created a pretty good buzz, so he uh, got him to sign to the label. Interesting. Uh, so this is kind of weird because you, you used to always hearing about labels financing the albums, but a lot of these guys, they were financing their own albums. Mm-hmm. So like basically Tom Araya took money. I guess he was a pulmonary something or other. I read one time. I can't Some remember. Kind of therapist. He did something yeah, in the medical yeah. field. I remember he, so, he was involved in that. So basically they took some money from him and uh, borrowed some money from Kerry King's dad to record the album. It just had that magic quality, though. I mean, it, it definitely was like an early effort, but if you well, think yeah. about that time and everything, it was just, it just had it. That's why I think we talked about this one time before where uh, Sligo wanted Dave Lombardo to record the drums, but no cymbals while they were playing. Yeah, like they played the cymbals <laughs> completely separated. From and then and then else. go back, and I guess, I guess Lombardo was sitting there listening to the tracks on a headphones and playing cymbals. I can't imagine doing that. Which is so weird. I mean, it, it and knowing that kind of changes your opinion about the album in a way, but they were kids. I can't say we wouldn't have probably tried the same thing. Well, I mean, if that's what the guy that owns the record company yeah. says to do, you're like, okay, I guess we'll try it. But. Yeah. Okay, Metal Dude, you know best. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Next, Next Metal Dude knows the best. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of those lore items about Show No Mercy. Yep. Uh, so evidently this album became Metal Blade's highest selling release at that time. Really? I guess most of their albums were selling about 5,000 copies and this sold 15 to 20 and then another 15 overseas. And so, so they did pretty well. So their normal was 5,000 albums and Slayer sold almost 30. Nice. Yay for Slayer. Yeah. So then he had them put out an EP and another album. Yeah, I guess the EP was probably... I guess either Live Undead or maybe Haunting the Chapel. Well, Haunting the Chapel is probably more of an EP, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Reviews of this album were all over the place. Everything that it, from uh, it was crap to state-of-the-art speed metal. Huh. So. I'm sure the people calling it crap probably really were calling it crap. Crap. This album's just, just a bunch of crap. Uh, it's crap. Terry Butler of Obituary said this album was the beginning of death metal, which I think we talked about a little bit yeah, in previous episodes. I think that is an honest statement. I think Slayer kind of represented that whole darker edge, all the death metal and everything to come from that aspect. Yeah, I always thought, like we said before, that that uh, Hell was a little more... That was a step in the darker direction, yeah, for sure. Yeah, then Shannon Mercy had a... And it might just be the production... You know, just it didn't have the, it wasn't so much of the Cookie Monster and so much of the, you know, the darker riffs or the, you know, the chugga chugga. It wasn't, it didn't Hello have as had much a, as that. Hello Waits had a different did. feel though, because yeah. it was like, it was like an even, like as much as there was a jump from like Kill em All to Ride the Lightning with Hello Waits from Show No Mercy, it was that level of jump, I think. Yeah. Because the music and the lyrics were even darker. Yeah. And then, of course, going to Rain and Blood, it was like they made that final jump, and it was like, oh, shit. But Hell Awaits had that darker, intense vibe. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the other guys, Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, were singing more about 
you know, light, what was going on in life kind of, you know, and Slayer was like, they were way off, you know, they're singing about World War atrocities and darker shit. Yeah, they were. Not the most pleasant subject matter. Not flowers and rainbows. Yes, pretty much all the songwriting on this one was King and Hanneman. Hanneman, Hanneman. What a duo. Dynamic duo, I might even say. For Abs- sure. Absolutamente. Si. Or even Derchi and Giorgio. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. We're going off on a movie tangent, sorry. Yeah, sorry. It came out in the same year as South of Heaven and Under the Influence and uh, Injustice for All. <laughs> sorry. That was tangential. You are related a nerd. By date. Anyway. You are a nerd. It might be autism. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I got Fish called Wanda. I got a physical yeah. next month. Yes, it's definitely some kind of ism. It's an it, ism. it is an ism. Could be a schismism. I don't know. It's some kind of internal ism. Fish called Wanda. You ever see that? No, no. but I have seen uh, Fish called Wanda. Yeah. Wisdom. Ism. Yeah. Matt and I pissed people off when we watched that. With I love them. that movie because we don't shut up. Yeah. Watch that. Yeah, movie. we we just sit there. And Fish called. Say every line basically start to finish. Right. And they're like, we're trying to watch the movie. Shut up, shut up. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. I, go watch it. I don't like them whispering movies. That's kind of, they have a soft intro. <laughs> yeah, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't like Dream Theater then. Ah, oh. oh, soft intro, touche. <laughs> soft intro. So, that leads us to the uh, next release of the Big Four, Anthrax. Fistful of metal. soft intro there fistful of terrible album <laughs> that is a fistful of horrible tattoo artist right there <laughs> released january 1984 on megaforce in the u.s music for nations in the uk and uh, roadrunner in europe which i didn't realize roadrunner was already going that early on mm. they were i think they were kind of the early adopters really they were kind of the, at the beginning i just didn't know the that movement. they had started that early i mean i, I knew more about them 
a little bit like later. Like in the later guess, 80s, like yeah. the King Diamond and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess they were kind of at the at the beginning of all that. So, yeah, they recorded this in late 1983 at Pyramid Sound Studios, Ithaca, New York. And there were things about it I liked, too, that I had to like just because it was the first Anthrax album. So this was uh, this was three-fifths fifths. Fifth. <laughs> of the classic lineup. You had Neil Turbin on vocals. Moist. Danny yes. Spitz on guitar, Scott Ian on guitar, Danny Loker on bass, and Charlie Benanti on drums. Danny Loker's bass is its own organistic form. <laughs> Neil Turbin's vocals might yeah. be a little too much, but he gets kudos and commitments for his efforts. Kudos and condiments? Condiments. I said commitments, but condiments also works. Kudos and relish to Neil Turbin. We salute you. <laughs> Don't and forget the mustard. And Samsonite. That was way off. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and mustard. So some of the song track, the titles I thought were song track titles. Yeah, <laughs> just Death Rider, Metal Thrashing Mad. It's just badass. Yeah, I mean that Subjugator, whatever the hell that is. Uh, well, Alice Cooper cover there. I'm yeah, 18. Excellent. Panic, Soldiers of Metal, Death from Above, Howling Furies. You gotta love that. I think that might have been like one of the best tracks on there. And of course, they had to have their uh, self-titled self-titled song, yeah. you know, from the album and the band Excita. It's <laughs> Anthrax doing Excita. Hopefully, Excita will have like a resurgence thanks to this show. <laughs> and Loincloths. I hope Loincloths also have. Uh, I'm sure Loincloths are going to make a major comeback in the. Dude, we should get some metal nerdery Loincloths on merch. We'll have to look into that. We should take a group photo for the website, Loincloths. <laughs> I, I would actually I'm wear sure one. I'm sure that uh, people would just be clicking away on that one. Yeah, we might get shut down. It's the most beautiful podcast in America. Break the internet. Metal nerdery Loincloths. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. By Paul Stanley Fashions. Oh, hey. Only if I can wear a big headdress like uh, Ted Nugent. There you go. I think that's kind of required. You kind of have to if you're doing Loincloths, so... And maybe we could partner with Ted Nugent have like a Ted Nugent style metal nerdery one. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sorry. Off off on a tangent. Have a sword and and go for the man of war. Yeah. Now I'm thinking swords and tequila. I don't know why. (laughs) Man man of whore. Man of whore. Man of whore. With a huge mask and a sword. (laughs) Show no mercy. There you go. Got it. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's he's wearing a loincloth. Yeah, exactly. yeah see? Yeah, absolutely. like too good for and Satan. And a cape. Well, Gotta have a cape. Satan. I mean, a loincloth and a cape. Yeah, I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah. And a sword. I bet he was picked on a lot in hell. I mean, he looks like a goat. <laughs> Who wouldn't pick on you looking like a goat? Even if you're the prince of all that's evil and dark, it's like, dude, you look like a goat. I'm going to be that guy for Halloween. <laughs> that would be that a would cool be awesome. Halloween outfit. <laughs> I do not want to be the fistful of metal guy for Halloween. <laughs> no, that's painful. So anyway, yeah, Anthrax formed in 1981 by Scott Ian and Dan Loker. I guess they were uh, went to school together. Loker, like most people, was a guitar player. Switched to bass. You've done that. Oh yeah, I have done that. <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, then uh, they added Neil Turbin, which is I guess was another guy they went to school with in 1982. 
Yeah, all those things worked out back then. Yep. In 1983, Benanti and uh, Spitz were added. Benanti. Uh, they recorded a demo. 83, got him signed to Megaforce. Uh, they did a single release, Soldiers of Metal. It just and, sounds uh, fucking metal, doesn't it? Well, yeah. It needs like it needs loincloth just in the name, like like the font for that song title needs to be loincloth font. The, the loincloths of metal. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be a font. Somebody think of that. Yeah. So the uh, the B side of that was Howling Furies. They released that. I guess they sold three thousand copies in a matter of weeks. Nice. So I guess after the that Howling they went Furies. on and recorded Fistful of Metal. The Howling Fury sounds like they're backup singers or something. Could you imagine that if thrash bands had like chick like backup singers? Like in this case, they'd be like, you know, welcome Anthrax and the Howling Furies. And back there doing their little dance. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, what would backup backing vocals sell? That's like such a weird thought and genre. It's like, they're doing they're doing their little dance with their costumes on, and they do backups, and it's like gang chants. Yeah, but it has to work with thrash. It's like that's what I'm saying. That would be awesome. Soft intro. Anyway. Okay, then. <laughs> now that that's decided, put it in the book. <laughs> Do it. Make an effort. Uh, yeah, this evidently, Metal Thrashing Mad was uh, where a thrash metal came from. A uh, Kerrang journalist evidently used that term when he was talking to uh, or writing about the album. Really? Called it thrash metal. So there you go. I'll, I'll take it. I'll concur. So when this came out, people basically said everything like Slayer. Everything they, they went from it sucked to uh, put New York metal back on the map. I mean, it was brand new. That was kind of the beauty of it. Nothing like it that wasn't existed. Kiss. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This ain't unmasked. This is better than that. It's a fist. It wasn't Kiss, and it wasn't the uh, what was that? The the New York Dolls. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. you remember them? Yeah, it's definitely more metal than that. <laughs> Way more metal than that. It's definitely more metal than Buster Poindexter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Going deep into the nerdery. Deep. Sorry, deep, sorry. But deeply penetrating the nerdery, the walls of its fortress. So the uh, the last release of the big four. The Megadeth. The I Megadave. guess because Megadave had to regroup. Megadeth. Killing is my business. Business is good. Came out. Come on. June 12th, 1985 on Combat. Excellent day after my birthday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Happy birthday, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Happy birthday to you. Killing is my business, 101. What were you, uh, what were you, 1985? 13, wow. 13. 13. Balls had just dropped. You're a fresh 13-year-old. Yeah. Fresh. <laughs> I, uh, you are not listening to metal. <laughs> <laughs> Not at this point. No, I, I didn't actually get this album until a few years later, but if I'd have heard this in, in 85, I'm sure my balls would have developed way quicker. <laughs> Just a side note there, but yeah. So it was recorded uh, December 1984, January 85 at Indigo Ranch Studios, which if you remember from the Corn release is where they recorded their debut album. Oh, yeah. dun, dun, dun. And uh, of course, lots of other stuff. And... Uh, also recorded at Crystal Sound Labs Hollywood. Cool. Do I wonder who else would have recorded there? But that's cool. There's that corn connection, though. So this kind of had your early, uh, early. I almost said corn. Early Megadeth lineup. <laughs> the early Mega Corn lineup. <laughs> Mega Corn. There you go. Uh, Mega Dave on vocals, guitar, and piano. 
What do you mean? Are you ready? <laughs> no. What do you mean? No. Are you ready? No. Shut up. What do you mean? No. Are you ready? No. Okay. I'm, I'm done. Chris Poland on guitar. He's a freaking awesome. Excellent guitar player. Uh, Dave Ellison on bass and uh, Gar Samuelson on drums, who I think is no longer with us. I think he is no longer with us, but those yeah. two guys made a killer rhythm section. Yes, absolutely. Many kudos and commitments. And when they can see straight. Yes, that's also true. <laughs> read the Mustang book. It's a it's a very it's a great read, but it's a it's an insight. Yeah. So that lineup, what this album and uh, Peace Cells, Peace right? yeah, that was it. I guess you could almost say that's. I mean, the classic lineup probably really started with Rust in Peace, but to me, I think when you think about Megadeth, that's kind of, that's like the Peace Cells lineup. That's yeah. like that's like the classic classic. That might be like the Diano version of Megadeth. This is a good album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of good, it's, it's kind of weird because it came out, you know, almost two years after uh, Kill Em All. Kill Em All and Slayer, so yeah. they were already on like album two and stuff yeah. by the time Megadave finally gets out but like the uh the riffs and the complexity on on his stuff was like he was taking it it was angry, to the next yeah. level you know what i mean and yeah and it was angry but it was is that because he said he was pissed you know <coughs> he wanted he was out for their blood basically you know he wanted to be faster and and more technical than them and i think he achieved it you can yeah. hear it on the album because yeah. he was just you could tell that he was just pissed off and just going after him the feeling of it, just like that aggressive, like, you know, what do you mean? I'm coming to get you. It's like, okay. And it's like, as badass as it was, there's like a few spots here and there where it sort of maybe kind of loses its momentum a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Just different spots where he's, you know, he's just trying different stuff. But out, for first I album, mean? I mean, that, oh, yeah. it's still got a decent flow to it. I still it, I can't think. play stuff off that album, so I'm not going to say anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about a listener experience, there's yeah. there's just certain places where it kind of delves off a little bit, and you're kind of like, you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. Like, it, it being a first album, I mean, every I think every band kind of had a little bit of that, where it's kind of like they kind of meander a little, lose their focus some, but but that that album still had that something about the flow. But I know what you mean, though. There are parts where it's kind of like, wait a minute, come back. Yeah, because because when, uh, when it does back. come back, it's like oh, fuck yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. like badass. Yeah, but so yeah, you had Last Rites, Love to Death, the title track, uh, the Skull Beneath the Skin, 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 <laughs> uh, the old Nancy Sinatra cover, These Boots. I think my personal favorite, Rattlehead.
I was gonna say the, the one after the next one. The one after the next one. <laughs> it's in the middle of the middle of the road. What was that middle thing? Oh uh, yeah, the middle of the middle of the road. Yeah, so you had Rattlehead, mm-hmm. Chosen Ones, Looking Down the Cross. I like that one. Yeah, a lot. And yep. uh, and then the uh, Mega Dave Metallica crossover mechanics. Mechanics, which it's is hard like to listen full horseman to. on meth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's hard absolutely. to listen to because I just have such a full horseman. You know, those, yeah, those yeah. lyrics are in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when I hear that riff, I can't shut up, Dave. Right, you know, you're not you're not doing it right. <laughs> what do you mean? This is how I wrote it. <laughs> exactly. Wait, dude, hold on. Yeah, but that's not how I know it. <laughs> what do you mean? What I mean? <laughs> That, that's uh, the epitome of how he was like I wanted to be faster and more technical like yeah. I mean he he it took that yeah he took that and freaking jacked it up I mean it yeah. was like it's fast as shit it yeah. was definitely that <laughs> most, most props there it was definitely that it was fast as hell you know I didn't listen to this I definitely had it still have the tape or whatever but I didn't listen to it as much as I did Kill em All and Show No Mercy but the more I listen to it now yeah you know the more I like it, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah definitely yeah. Well, especially when you listen to it, almost like as a piece of that period of history too, because of what it contributed. Yeah. To the oh, movement, sure. to the genre and all that yeah. stuff. Uh, a little bit of a I think I how oh, I did. All right, we'll get to it in a, in a second. Then second uh, one. <laughs> time's up. Okay, more, more. Give me more. No, your time is up. Yeah. So basically, Mustaine met up with Ellison couple months after uh, being ousted from Metallica. Ousted. And uh, like we just mentioned, he wanted to be faster, heavier. Um, I guess they went on looking for a singer. What? He's still fucking chewing. <laughs> Damn it. Do you eat? Do you wait to eat till you get over here? <laughs> Podcast. Pasta, man. He's always making the pasta. I can't get away from it. <laughs> your own imaginary character is uh, fueling your appetite. What can I say? I'm sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> These nuts taste great in my mouth. <laughs> Are they salty? Yeah. In your mouth? The big four nuts in your mouth. 
And we've gone off the rails officially here at Metal Nerdery, returning to the discussion about killing is my business. The nuts are good. <laughs> On that note. I just had an image in my head, and then I was like, I'm not going to talk about that, but it's funny, so I am. Uh, <laughs> I imagine airplane, you know, the scene where they're all lined up to smack the chicken, and, you know, it's okay, calm yeah. down. And, right. So you're like the big four <laughs> lined up. Salty nuts in your mouth. I can see them all lined up. Ready. <laughs> you sit in the chair. Kill that guy. Open up. <laughs> Drop. Get him a fistful of nuts and show no mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Kill him with nuts. Give him a fistful of nuts. Okay. Nuts are my business. Nuts are my business. <laughs> business is good. Going in the back door to kill them all. Some nuts. Right. Okay. All right, I think we got it all. <laughs> so I guess uh, Mega Dave's initial intent was to have a singer, but they couldn't find one, so I guess, so he decided to sing. It kind of works with him though. It, the yeah. anger kind of really comes across better because you can really hear that he was just like pissed off, like "fuck this, fuck everybody, fuck those guys." I'm just you know I'm starting my own thing. And he just went off. I don't know those guys at Rock and Pod that we heard. Doing all these covers, holy shit, man! Uh, that that uh, guy. Tom Hazard guy, yeah, he's, he was he's, spot on. He's badass, man. Yeah, those guys were nailing it. Well, that's what uh, like note perfect. I have to throw throw a uh, throw a bone to our good friend Tommy here. Bone. He said, uh, "Mega Dave's vocal uh, delivery from the beginning was like brilliant because he never had to worry about sounding like shit because he already did." <laughs> Or something to that effect. The little right? things you take care of on the front end. <laughs> He's like, you didn't have to worry about, you know. So anyway. It's perfect. Makes so, total uh, sense. Yeah, so they recorded a three-song demo called Last Rites. That got them signed to combat. Uh, this the oh, classic metal grand. story. They were given eight grand to record the album. They spent half on food, alcohol, and drugs. Probably more than half. Yeah. And then they had to fire their producer and do it themselves, which is... Why the sound was maybe not as good. Not as polished. <laughs> but they were high, so. 8,000 bucks, that was a lot yeah. of drugs. It, it was still, I mean, it was. Yeah. It was yeah, better yeah. than Show No Mercy's, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'd like to consult the drug tracker for both Show No Mercy and, well, I don't even think Show No Mercy was, had drugs on it. It was two years later. That's the right. thing. Right. You know, Two yeah. years and a lot more anger later. Yeah. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah, this is what I was going to mention a minute ago. I guess the uh, Mustaine and Ellison both had this vision of what they wanted the album cover to look like. And uh, they gave them a sketch and everything and kind of how they wanted to do it with a Vic Rattlehead. Um, evidently, the studio lost that and kind of recreated something from memory. And basically, you can see here, they just used some uh, tinfoil and cheap plastic chains and... Uh, like some carabiners or something. But you know what? I thought, <laughs> that, one, I thought that was yeah. badass when That's I was good. a kid. I thought it was. I thought it was an awesome album cover. But and looking were, back, they were pissed though. Oh yeah. And, and if you see the uh, the the re-release of it, is is more of what they intended it to look like. Uh, like with the animated skull with like the yeah the re-release versions really cool. Let's look it up. Looking it up. For those of you who are interested, you can follow along on middlenerdery.com slash episodes. <laughs> yeah, so there's the uh, the re-release, which is what they uh, 
kind of had envisioned. That looks more badass. If they could have pulled that off with like a real looking skull, that would have been even. Yeah, what makes the other one look good is because it it has a real looking skull. Yeah, that's what you makes know? it almost kind of creepier. Yeah, to me, yeah. that always gave it that edge. Yeah, it's it's kind of got that that gritty low budget horror movie yeah. kind of. You know what I You're mean? Right, exactly. That's yeah, kind of yeah. what made it cool. That's what yeah. made it darker. Yeah. I think. I think I do actually like it better myself. And it kind of colored the music <laughs> yeah, for me, me too, because something about that album even has a darker feel to it, I think, than like Pete Sells, personally. Yeah. Yeah, I can you agree. That. Yeah. But then again, he was probably really angry and really uh, wasted. So this album got mostly uh, positive reviews, as we had mentioned before. Uh, only drawbacks being uh, some of the songs not fully realized in uh, production. Yeah, but that was no, basically it. Realized. You got a link to something here. I don't remember. This was a blackout link. Let's look at it and see what it is. <laughs> Looks like it's Big Four related. Worshipmetal.com, the Big Four of Thrash, oh, yeah. their ten greatest albums. Yeah, that's right. It's the Big Ten from the Big Four. This could be interesting. Thought it'd be interesting to take a look at. Worship metal. You got a nice picture of a uh, Carrie, Dave, Scott, and uh, James there. It's pretty cool. All four of those faces together. Looking metal. Totally metal. Dave needs some facial hair, though. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, he's looking a little roughish these days, but. Well, he's got cancer, dude. Yeah, no, that's usually kind Jesus. of the standard, standard answer. Take it easy, would you? So number yeah, not, not 10, Spreading the Disease. Excellent. I love that album. Yeah. My first Anthrax album as well. It was our first. It's our first together. Uh, Isn't that sweet? We each had the same first, y'all. Isn't that special? No. I think we should light a candle. A unity <laughs> candle for spraying the disease. Not not such light, a thing. Not lighting a candle. candle with you. Come on, man. It's a unity candle. We're not going to pet a dog or anything like that. I don't know what that means. The unity candle. Yes, number nine. Disease. Number nine. It's uh, what is number nine? Justice. justice? Hmm. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of thought maybe that would be higher the a number. little higher. Yeah, but that's a badass fucking album. That was a badass album. It's kind of a epic kind of album there. Yeah, big time. Definitely progressive. Like the longest songs of anything they released. World you know, minus the whole bass uh, debacle, but uh, yeah. <coughs> number eight, persistence, persistence of time. Of time, nice mm-hmm. choice. Also a killer album. Man, I remember when this came out, that just uh, stayed in my tape deck for a long time. <laughs> oh yeah, I couldn't stop listening to it. This is when I got that I got that high flutin tape deck that would uh, switch. You didn't have to take it out; it would just. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Automatically flip. It's called yeah. auto-reverse. Whatever, dude. I don't care oh, about man. you and your auto-reversing. It sounds weirdly. I won't say it. Auto-reverse. That was just a good damn album. Oh, yeah. Solid. Keep it in the family. Gridlock. Something about Belly that darker the vibe just gave it a different energy, too. Because it was like a more aggro yeah. anthrax. It was, it was good. Excellent. I thought okay. number eight, number seven, number seven, lucky number seven, seasons in the abyss. Yes, 
Another classic, of course. The uh, the album artwork that looked like a little satanic six year old druid. I don't know. Yeah, I never thought about that until you mentioned it, but now I totally see it. I just mentioned it. See, I mean, that's the thing I didn't notice until you mentioned it. <laughs> so it's taken me almost thirty years to really notice that. That looks like a satanic. It looks like Damien. Almost one second. To figure it out. He's quick, folks. He's quick. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not as smart as y'all think I am, which may not be much, but anyway. A lot of classic tracks on that as well. All of them, yeah. Yeah, not written by six-year-olds, by the way. Nah, that'd be a weird group of six-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the, that's probably one of the more perfect <laughs> seasons of weird group of six-year-olds. Considered one hell, what? Morbid and unsettling, yet mature and considered one considered and one hell of a way to close a virtually flawless album one hell of a model american i think there was With a grammar which does not make sense to thee <laughs> upon the read in the word of the flesh my wife would not like that she's in quality control an editor would say bollocks to this uh put simply if you don't like this or if you don't like slayer this album yeah. thank you there we go Bill has said. said everything. Nothing needs else needs to be said Slayer. about that. He just pretty much hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Brought to you in all like seriousness. Slayer, go fuck yourself. Nerdery. If you don't like Slayer, go fuck Keep yourself. It pure and simple. This has been brought to you by Slayer and Metal Nerdery. <laughs> <laughs> I'll chime in too. Holy cow. Walking. More of this. This person likes Anthrax. Yeah, Among the Living. living. Classic. Yes. Classic. It's my second Anthrax purchase after uh, spreading the disease. That's something else we have in common. Da, da, da. You know, if we get a third, we have to kiss. Cue up, cue up the air supply. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> if we do that, dude, there's got to be air supply doing goat horde covers. I want to hear it. I didn't know. That's, that's what I want. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be that kind of podcast. Oh, okay. Air supply, air supply, and goat horde. You can check out our Patreon where we like get into the deep parts of that. No, I'm kidding. We don't have a Patreon. <laughs> We're not doing weird softcore metal-related porn on a Patreon. Okay, stop. Okay, moving on. Among the Living, Anthrax. Back, back in the groove. Awesome. Awesome album. Very awesome album. I don't think there's a bad song. I kind of I kind of wish when they do the letter songs, like if we knew better what they meant. Like, what does ADI meant? Meme. That was the beauty of pre-internet. You don't really know some things. What did you think it meant? ADI? I honestly never even thought about it. Yeah, me either. That, I think it's got to mean something dark and foreboding. I just don't know what it means. Another dick inside? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't going to take it a porn way, but I like yeah. the way you think, so maybe so. Sorry, I'll dick joke. That. Another dick inside. The horror of it all. It makes sense. It now. does I make sense, right? It. Another dick inside slash see horror it. of it all. Yeah, see, Illuminati, we catch on. We know what these things are about. <laughs> We're not yeah. stupid. It was like that old thing back in the early internet days. Uh, uh, Hard Dick Insider. Remember oh, yeah. that? Everybody likes a Hard Dick Insider. <laughs> <laughs> hard Dick Insider can be very refreshing. The next time you're feeling worn out and you feel like Penny Pensize is kicking in, maybe you just need a Hard Dick Insider. Uh, I'm seeing that it stands for Arabian Douchebag Intro. Okay. Ah, okay. Interesting. I kind of like that. That's what it says on the interwebs, anyway. Arabian <laughs> douchebag intro. Thank you, Bill, for that quick investigative work. So we all learned something here on Metal Nerdery. I don't think it's very Arabian, but I think it's badass. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right, number five. Moving on. Peace Mega cells. Dave. P 
piece sells. What do you mean? That's what I mean. That's what do you mean? What do I mean? Just the the artwork, the song work, the opener, Wake Up Dead. I mean, come uh, on. That's yeah. Wake Up Dead is yeah. I can't help it, dude. It's just like my favorite. Gotta be like right there in the top. Sure. It's like my best, favorite Megadeth songs. Yeah. I mean And not even that, but definitely best opener ever. I just love that video back in the day. They're playing. They got that chain link fence around and people climbing the fence. The you know, it. it's just like losing their minds. I was like 12 watching this shit going. What is going on? I love it. I love it. I don't know why, but it's awesome. Put it on the news. This is the news. All right, man. Killer. Great, 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 great album. If you do not have it, you need to go purchase it. Yeah, well, Rock and Pod, didn't they do the Devil's Island? They did. Yeah, they did, I was yeah. like, when they started playing that. That's badass, that's, too. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite, Devil's like, Island. like deeper cut songs yeah. on that album. I, was, I, I, couldn't, thought, I couldn't believe they started playing that. I was thinking they did they some other ones, it. too. I thought they did Black Friday and uh, maybe even My Last Words, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I'd had a few beers. I had, too. It was quite a fun <laughs> evening. <laughs> so my memory might be a smidge fuzzy. Yeah, they nailed all those but for yeah, sure. Good stuff. And numero foro. Numero foro. <laughs> Is that the proper term? Absolutely. Yes. Ah, the rest uh, in peace. Those two are hard to. Yeah. They kind of go together, really, because they're both awesome on their own, but they're both just kind of uniquely awesome. Yeah, it's it's hard to soft intro. It's hard to uh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Soft. No. No. Wrong. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. hard intro. Sweet. Cool. Napoleon's down. Yeah. In, in my in my humble opinion, this is like one of the classic flawless albums. Yeah. That's next level. I mean, Peace Sills was beautiful, but this right. was like perfect. It's a, it's a little slicker, a little more produced, and all that. Yeah, a little more refined than P cells and all that. I, I understand that, but this album is just like. You think it's fair to say that Rust in Peace was like their puppets, or do you think that Rust in Peace and P cells are kind of two different? Because it's two different lineups. But P cells is more classic lineup style, but there's something about Rust in Peace that to me is almost like Megadeth's. Yeah, because it's just work. Kind yeah, of like puppets, it just I it guess. had the uh, it had the technicality, but it was all memorable, like we were talking about before. I mean, yeah. it had the hooks. I mean, right. it was yep. strong choruses. I think it almost memorable has to riffs. Go in that bucket. I mean, Marty Friedman and Nick Menza. Oh. Yeah, what a partnership! <laughs> it was bloody great, wasn't it? Classic, classic. Saw him on that tour with what was it, Testament and uh, Priest. Yes, that was amazing. That was a killer, killer yeah. tour. That was good stuff. Nothing but goodness. Can't argue with that tour. It's number four. I'm hoping Slayer. I'm a t- I bet Puppets and Rain and Blood rally in the next few, but I'm wondering yeah. who's going to be top sure. three. It says here, Rest in Peace ushered in an era where the likes of Voivod, Annihilator, and Coroner mm. could showcase their virtuosity without fear. Virtuosity without fear. That's a great name for an album label. Uh, an album label? Record label. I don't know why I said that. Dude, well, I mean, I, I guess it is an album label. That you put them. Dude, I don't know the technical business terms, man. I'm just throwing words around, bro. Bro. Yeah, you, got, you still have uh, Kill Em All. Yeah. And Puppets. Puppets. I'm sure they got some Rain and Blood. Rain and blood. Well, those those might three. be the top well, three. Those yeah. might be the top yeah. three. 
I think we nail it. Here we go. Hot Puppets. Puppets. Horse. Three. I'd have put it at least at two. Or one. I don't know. Rain of Blood's got to go at one, probably. Yeah. Puppets is... Uh, what more can be said? That's that's like one of those magic albums. That's perfect. Yeah, that's great. Start to finish. I just always liked that album cover. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was really cool. It haunted me. The first time I saw it, it literally just kind of affected me. Like that, and then reading the, the lyric sheet and even the song titles and listening to it. That was like that whole experience thing. It was just like, I was in a different world when I put on Master of Puppets. Yeah. Totally different world. Yeah, this was, this was another one of those. When it came out, you could just just put it on loop and let it go. Oh, yeah. Just never got old. You never get time. sick of anything. Unless it cycled through, you know, once and flip sides and then ran out of time. It's like, no, start over. I just, I really like the production on that one. Everything about yeah. it was good. I mean, the songs, yeah. the sound, I mean, it was balanced. It wasn't boomy or anything. It just had a big fat sound. I mean, it was. They really honed in their songwriting, I was, too. I was know? just going to say, from, from Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning to this, I mean, it was just, they were just on it. Big yeah. time. Making quantum leaps each time. Like Donkey Kong. <laughs> Wait, what? Number two. Uh, number two. The Ride the Lightning. Lightning. Huh. That's got to be there. Interesting. Also love that album. Oh, yeah. Also very puppets-ish. Those two kind of have that same kind of feel to me. Some commonality. I guess puppets is a little bit darker, but to me, they kind of both fit in the same boat. There's a, there's a lot of badass riffs. All over this album. Oh, oh man. Loaded. Yeah. Chock full with riftastic goodness. Okay. Any bets on what number one is? <laughs> I'm guessing it's got to be Rain of Blood. <laughs> it's not Rain of Blood. It's going to be Kill Em All. No, it's got to be Rain of Blood. It's got it's to be Rain of Blood. Come on. Uh, uh, yeah, it go. has to be. <laughs> Start to finish. The best. How can it not be? I think it's right at 29 minutes. Yep. 29 frantic minutes. 10 blistering tracks. Thrash perfection. And didn't we read somewhere later that they actually played even faster, more angry, just to give, kind of give the finger at the record label? It seemed like they were like upset about all the stuff that was going on, trying to get it released, and so they actually played even faster and harder, thus making the album even shorter. thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, because I, I think I read something somewhere where, where after they got it all recorded and they were like, crap, it's only 29 minutes, you know, maybe we should put something else on. I think Rick Rubin was like, no. Leave it. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's in your face. It, you know, it yeah, goes in, it kicks your perfect. ass, and it gets out. Yeah. You know, just, it Everything is what it is. Everything about it is perfect. It's a, it's a gym. Yeah, if they'd have made it longer, it would have, I don't think it would have worked. You know what I mean? It, it was I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been say. good. I'm not yeah. saying it would have been good. Yeah. But it's, it's so relentless. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if they would kept it up too much longer, you'd be like, okay, you know. But yeah, as it stands right now, you don't want to turn it off. Right. But, but that's right. kind of the magic. They captured that perfect, and they bookended the whole album because both the longest songs were at the front and back. But it just, it had that perfect sync to it, that perfect uh, pace. It's like riffs, The riffs and the fucking drums oh, and yeah. the screaming. Damn. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the best riffs in Thrash, for sure, on that album. I think I, I remember being over at a friend's house one night, and uh, he hadn't listened to a lot of metal. I was, I guess I was the bigger metal head at that point. 
And we were listening to some different stuff, and he was like, you got any Slayer, man? <laughs> like, he was a little bit timid, Curious. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah but he wanted to hear drugs. it because he'd heard about him. Got any Slayer? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Come on, really, I need a fix. You got any Slayer, dude? It was just, it was just funny the way he said it. And I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I got some Slayer, you know what I mean? And I put it on, and I think he had, he probably had the same look I had on my face the first time I listened to Slayer, like, oh, wow, you know, like. This is different. This is, this is different, you know what I mean? This is like freaking balls. Yeah. yeah. It was a little more intense than what we were used to, I think. Like, we all talk about darker, heavier. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not Judas Priest, you know what I mean? It's, no. it's not Rat. No. It's yeah. more sinister than all that, you know? But by the time we got through listening to the tape, he was like, I'm going to go buy that. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know? Let's go listen to that again. Yes. Put that on infinite repeat. So... Yeah, as the last as the last sentence says in that review, it's perfect. Bow down, Slayer, wear the crown. Hundred percent. And as Bill said earlier, uh, what was it? If you don't like Slayer, if you're not familiar with Slayer, then fuck you. <laughs> fuck yourself. Yeah. In fact, if you don't like Slayer, in the goat ass. Yeah. If you don't like Slayer, <laughs> then what's wrong with you, boy? And I think their 2001 album applies to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm teasing. Anyway, that is our episode for this time around on the Big Four and the power of the Big Four. For this yeah, so, list we have from Worship Metal, yeah. the Big Ten from the Big Four. So, yeah if, you've, uh, yeah, if you've never gone back, and which I don't know why you wouldn't have, but if you haven't delved back into the early catalog of these bands, definitely do it. Do it. Go do it. That's where all There's, your modern stuff comes from, is history. That, that's a reason they were the big four. So right. This is important history. Metal history. Thank so, you for listening. Yeah. We are the Metal Notary. As always, thanks for the listens. Check us out on the interwebs and uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and all that good stuff. And uh, let us know what you think. Metal Notary Podcast. Isn't it obvious? Nerd out. Nerd out. Hey, this is Matt from Metal Nerdery. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Like us. Share us with a friend. We are at Metal Nerdery Podcast. That is at Metal Nerdery Podcast. You can follow along with the show on MetalNerdery.com slash episodes. Nerd.